Welcome to the Poker and Raceway Podcast, Season 5. We are back, 2021, getting ready for the double header here. It is your host, Kevin, alongside with... Another Kevin here. And... JJ, who's really just here for color commentary. That's all you're here for? Yeah, I, I haven't heard, I haven't been involved in a lot of the planning process. I haven't heard any of these interviews, so this is all going to be a first to me. We needed an outsider to make sure we were doing this all justice. Okay. Yeah, but right. the good news is um, you're going to learn a lot, as our <laughs> fans of this podcast are going to learn this year. Um, it is the 50th year of the Tricky Triangle, um, the 50th anniversary of the first race on the 2.5 mile super speedway here at the track. So with that 50th anniversary, we have a pretty cool podcast series and season lined up for our fans. Uh, We're bringing in our buddy, Zach, uh, who used to work for the Pocono Record and is a freelancer currently working for FrontStretch.com. Zach will come join us here in a little bit, but uh, Kevin, who who are we talking to on this episode? Yeah, it's going to be a fun year um, overall, but I mean, on this episode, we're going to kick things off right away with the King, Richard Petty. Obviously, he won our first uh, NASCAR race here in 1974, and he won the year before, too, in the USAC race, which he gets into. Pretty good place to start off the podcast season. (laughs) Well, it's cool because it's interesting that we talked to him first, um, and there's a lot of topics that we discussed with him. But the biggest thing is that most people don't realize that Richard Petty ran his first race here in 72. Because when USAC came in with the five-year deal with USAC, it was both for stock cars and IndyCar. Now, he didn't run the first race in 71 in the stock car division, but he came here in 72. Um, So there's really cool things that we're going to break down, talk through. Um, We'll let you guys listen to the interview that we conducted with him, uh, and then we'll give a little bit of commentary on it. Um, You know, the other thing that we have that's exciting this year is our lineup of guests are going to expand um you know I, I we definitely have other big names so anyone who had played a role in the history of this place we're going to bring in we've talked to the Mattioli family the Igdalski family we've gotten a lot of feedback from them on the stories and what this place meant and the impact of motorsports that um you know we've had here at Pocono Raceway you know I'm just proud to be part of it I mean I'm, I'm entering my 10th year which is crazy this is year number 10 for me I just celebrated my 10 year anniversary wow, happy anniversary yeah, man that crazy? That is crazy. So you've been here for one fifth of all one this. fifth of the craziness that has right. unfolded. That's here. the math, right? One yeah. fifth. I think the one thing too, the cool thing about all this too that we're gonna be able to do is it's really about the fans too. Um, so we invite all the fans to check out. We have a, a main page, pokenraceway dot com slash fifty. Um, it's very easy to remember, but we're asking fans to really fill a timeline that we have on there with you guys' stories and memories and traditions um, that you've had throughout the year. So go check out that page. Go check out that timeline. And the cool thing about this timeline is if you look at it now compared to maybe come December, it's going to look completely different because it's going to be filled with all kinds of fan stories and driver stories and just a lot of memories of 50 years of the Tricky Triangle. Um, we want to bring in a friend of ours, um, Zach, who is going to help us through all of these interviews with these big names in the sport and in motorsports uh, to tell the story of the 50th. And Zach's going to be writing some blogs and some feature articles for our website. So uh, let's get Zach on the horn. And joining us is our buddy, Zach. What's happening, Zach? Not too much, Kevin. How are you? Doing well, man. Hey, um, so why don't you tell a little bit about, you know, this journey that we're on for the 50th storytelling and, and how you came to be a part of this deal in, in, in probably 60 seconds or less. Go. <laughs> All right, I can do that. We do things uh, well, fast around here. Always, always fast here. So uh, that said, uh, you know, 
first of all, it's great to be a part of the project here. Uh, talking to the legends that made Pocono Raceway, Pocono Raceway, uh, a lot of, a lot of history at this track, um, to celebrate 50 years of, uh, big time racing here at the tricky triangle. Um, there's a lot to it and a lot of stories that some people know and a lot of stories that some people may not know of. And so, um, I came on board to try to help tell those stories and, you know, we, we had an opportunity, um, you know, to bring you on and bring you on as a freelancer. And we think you're a hell of a storyteller. So, um, you know, and we know you're passionate about this place. I mean, you're, you're a local, um, you know, you're, you're definitely ingrained in this place. You've been coming to this place since you were a little kid, just like pretty much all of us in some capacity. Um, so we're, we're happy to have you on board, man. But the first thing we got to do is we got to jump in this petty interview. So initial thought just overall, what was it like talking to Richard about the history of this place? It, it was eye-opening, honestly. Not only hearing his stories, but hearing how sharp his memory is of everything that happened here um, when he first saw the track for the first time. Um, you know, some people may may not know his, how he first came to Pocono, and that was through USAC, not through NASCAR. And he'll talk about that a little bit here, and uh, we'll jump into really his first takeaways at Pocono. But, I mean, it was... So, so fascinating to hear just what it was like here 50 years ago um, compared to the, the mammoth property that it is today. And that's why we brought a journalist in because that's a segue um, and we're terrible with those. So uh, we will get to the Richard Petty interview right now. Everybody enjoy. ever saw car race here was back in 72 with the USAC uh, when USAC came here um, you made it made it made it a point to come out here and uh, try your hand at it what was the draw to Pocono Raceway at that time because this was obviously such a, a new and different facility you know I, I really can't remember why we went uh, I, I think we went because STP uh, you know they were our sponsors on the race car and stuff and uh, they had their Indy car there uh, you know, I think they had a tornado or some flood come through the week before, so they was going to run a double hitter on that one one deal. And anyhow, and I think we went because of STP. So, uh, you know, we wasn't, NASCAR wasn't running that week, so we said, you know, whatever you want to do, that's fine. That said, uh, the, the race obviously didn't go that well. You end up with engine trouble in that race. Uh, what do you recall what your impressions were seeing the seeing the track for the first time taking those first laps around it yeah it was you know like running in a great big field you know it was sort of like running a road course deal uh because you had to run it to get used to the corners like most racetracks are you know you go down here and turn left and that's it uh but these were different you had to approach them different they were different straightaways uh different banking in the corner uh so it was just, it was really weird because we'd never run on anything exactly like that. But for some reason, uh, you know, our guys was pretty good about setting up the car for that. And uh, I, I fit in right good. I think the first race we ran up there, uh, I think we'd racing for the lead or was leading or something, blew a left front tire and knocked the water um, oil pump off the thing. And so that was the end of that. But uh, then for some reason they had a race the next week, next year, so uh, we'll be back up there and try it again. And you tried it again and you end up in victory lane that time yeah. uh, to get that victory, particularly in a USAC race. Um, w was there anything 
that, that stood out to you about that race? And, and was there anything special about that, that victory for you? Um, knowing that you guys had had trouble there uh, mechanically the last time out? Well, you know, I, I think we were so disappointed by having trouble the first race. Uh, it's one of those deals where you want to go back and conquer something. Say, okay, guys, we can do this. And so that gave us some incentive to go back and, and prove that we were pretty good at the Pocono racetrack. So, uh, you know, again, uh, we, we wasn't running against any of the NASCAR guys. We was running against the USAC guys. And uh, they that was a different league from ours. And so we, we had to fit in. They gave us a little bit of trouble when we first went up there because we was outsiders. But uh, Dr. Matteo, he, he come by and told them that, you know, if they started treating me bad like that, he'd just run them all off. So it was pretty interesting, you know. I was just reading articles about that, and, and that just shows the true character of Doc. And I think the quote was, Doc said, if Petty doesn't race, there's no race. Y'all can go home. There was um, <laughs> and that's the way Doc was. Yeah. Um, that USAC win I also read somewhere, was that your first ever win in the USAC series? Is your first career USAC win? Yeah, I think that was my only win in, in USAC. I think we had run uh, a road course for USAC uh, in 65 when NASCAR wouldn't let us run. Chrysler sent us up there to, to run a race and uh, we was terrible. <laughs> you know, uh, we didn't we didn't do, do good at, at all. And uh, so it was kind of a revenge to go back then and and beat the same guys that beat me so bad before. So you get those two USAC races in 72 and 73, and then NASCAR finally comes here at, with the Cup Series in 74. Uh, what was the significance of the France family deciding this was a place that NASCAR should be after those first two USAC races here? Uh, because the fan base certainly, uh, you know, NASCAR at that point hadn't really kicked up to the Northeast at that time. Yeah, it was it was a deal where NASCAR really needed that territory. Uh, it was a, a blank. Uh, when you look at the map and where we run races and stuff, that was uh, virgin territory. You know, we didn't run around New York city or, you know, New Jersey or whatever, Pennsylvania, that part of Pennsylvania. And it was an opportunity to take NASCAR into new spectators. You know what I mean? So uh, it was really a big deal. And I think uh, France and, uh, the doctor and all that, they, they all sat down and they worked out and said, look, this is going to be an advantage for, for all of us. Cause I think, I think they really signed a long time contract with him. And most of the time they just go one race or, or one season at a time. So I think they got along real good because it was an advantage for NASCAR and advantage for the doctor to have us NASCAR because NASCAR was so much bigger than USAC. All right, so I got a few takeaways from that after hearing for the first time. Because <laughs> we've all heard it. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't invited to this party. No. The first time. <laughs> but anyway. You were only too, a, you were only too, a few get invited to speak with the king. Takeaway num- <laughs> t- take number one. There's something about Richard Petty saying the word or letters STP. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that is, makes it way different than when anyone else says it. Right? So first off, whoa. <laughs> Second off, oh boy, I have a picture in my office signed by the king himself of him in victory lane, the first NASCAR win, I believe it was here, the pure later. Yeah. Race. You got to find this other one. Uh, yeah, I do. And it's the, one of the coolest pictures ever because I'm pretty sure he's in like a fire suit and like black cowboy boots. 
like with the fire suit tucked in. So like hearing him talk about the days and the moment that I have like in a picture in my office is just cool as hell. Mm-hmm. Being here for seven years of something that's been going on for 50 and going back to the to arguably the biggest name in motorsports ever telling this, that story, that's fantastic. Well done, fellas. <laughs> well done. Thanks for inviting me to this. Part. I don't think we, I feel like <laughs> we should keep this trend. I don't think JJ gets invited to any of these legend interviews and then he has to it, absorb it. If it makes you feel yeah, any better, JJ, yeah. I was I was in there, but I wasn't on camera, and I was just note taking. So That's I right. wasn't really a I wasn't really a part of it. <laughs> Zach, what was going through your head as as we were talking to Richard about this stuff? I mean, you alluded to it before, but yeah, no, it was kind of like an out of body experience, honestly, because it it makes the intangible part of the history of this place feel tangible uh, for those who weren't there to experience it in the moment. Um, you know, obviously, I, <laughs> I was born 20 years after that first NASCAR race. So, I mean, it's there's a there's a lot of history there. And to hear it straight from his words and to hear him recall it so uh, so vividly, even to this day, um, it, it really did and still kind of does feel like an out-of-body experience listening back to it. Well, buckle up because we got a lot more of those out-of-body experiences probably coming this year. No doubt point, about that. I pointed at Kevin. I was like, you, you say something because I was trying to get a note out. And he, that, was, that was perfect. All I know is is Heaney walked into my office yesterday and said, hey, I got this list of people. Do you think we should add anybody to it? And he starts rattling off like 30 of the biggest names in motorsports. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, Heaney, I think you got it. I think that's going to be a good season. I and to give you a glimpse just into our world, as we negotiated this little contract we have with Zach, I was like, listen, it's probably going to change and structurally going to be different. And then, and then eventually I was like, by the way, you're going to talk to the following people, Petty, Foyt, Andretti, uh, Gordon, Johnson, whoever, Hamlin. Like we just started rattling Penske. We just started rattling off people that we're reaching out to, to see if we can get them on. And he was just like, I'm, I'm in. Time. Yeah, I'm in. I'm here. Yeah. I'm, I'm here, man. I'm here. <laughs> we can, we... And, 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 no, just to your point earlier, like I've been, I've been a fan of the sport since I was a little kid. So like to, to be, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to work with the Pocono record for the last seven years and cover uh, all the races at Pocono over that time. And um, just to have those experiences already has been fantastic. But to, to be a part of this where I get to help tell a, a part of the history of this place is uh, it's special, man. It is special. And it, it, the other special part of this place is the Mattioli Foundation that's in here. And Richard alludes to that next. So let's get back to the interview and then we'll chat more about it in a second relationship that you talked about between the Francis and the Mattioli family um, really did kick off a lot of things for this area uh, and for fans of the Northeast. Did What kind of relationship were you then, as really the face of the sport at that time, be able to build with the Mattioli family as the, as the series kept coming back year after year? Yeah, it was just, uh, I think, an automatic thing. You know, that was a family-run business. Uh, Petty Enterprises was a family-run business. Uh, we had kids about the same age as their kids were. Uh, so first thing you know, we was part of their family or they was part of our family. Forget about the racing part. So, uh, you know, over the years and stuff that, uh, you know, we went to a lot of different places, a lot of different things, not personally, but, you know, different uh, outings and stuff that he was at and uh, 
he or we was at and, and you get together just like a family deal so that said you know there were, it seemed like that that bond really did flourish over the over the decades um and i know the mattioles of course paid tribute to adam with yeah. uh by naming the garage after him right. as well how significant was that for for the petty family to to have that uh that tribute done here at pocono no it, it just made us feel real proud of of being able to associate with with a doctor uh you know he he was, I guess, wound up being a petty fan because when we came uh, and then the USAC races and stuff that, you know, they really advertised us to come into the USAC deal. Uh, us and Ford, I guess, were the top drawers at that particular time. So uh, it was just an automatic thing for them. And, and I think they felt uh, really sorry for the petty family because we had lost Adam. So it that was a big, uh, deal for the Petty family and uh, I think for them also. As we talk about the families and stuff like that, you talk about Doc. You know, another figure here obviously was Doc Rose. They talk about Doc was a businessman and Doc Rose was the people person. Uh, we've heard stories that Doc Rose was the race fan, right? She was a huge fan of all the big names in IndyCar, all the big names of NASCAR. Um, what did Doc Rose's impact in motorsports? Um, obviously, we know that she was about getting women in the garage. She was about opening up the driver's wives lounge, giving a space for your kids to be able to enjoy and come up and enjoy the Pocono mountains. What did, what did her impact that you can recall from your life coming up here at the Pocono? Uh, it, it, it was great from the family standpoint, because you got to figure back in those particular days when we, in, in the early seventies, mid seventies, NASCAR was more of a family operation. It wasn't as commercial and all that. So most of the guys, brought your family with them and stuff and uh i know they would have a, a shindig every like saturday night and stuff and invite us all over and all the racers was there crews was there and stuff and uh you know that that just made us feel at home when we went to pocono so you know the guys that that go up there now don't realize what uh what welcome we had and nascar had and all the drivers had uh when Doc and them first opened the track. So, you know, they were, they were in new territory. That wasn't, that wasn't their business, but they knew people and they knew how to get along, not just with the racing people, but with uh, all the businesses and all the things around the Pocono mountain deal. Uh, they brought in a lot of extra people, a lot of extra money for all the restaurants and the motels and all that gas stations or whatever. So uh, I, I think, uh, I think they were pretty well welcomed in that, that part of the community. You talked about welcoming everybody home and that's kind of in our mantra here at the track. I mean, that's, that's what we live by Doc and Doc Rose's way. Just treat everybody with respect. Um, what do you feel? And, and they're such humble people and you, you know this more than anybody. Um, and they really don't try to give themselves accolades, but what do you feel were the Mattiolis and Pocono Raceways impact on motorsports over the last 50 years? What, what have they meant to our industry? Well, the way I look at it basically is they opened up that part of the world to NASCAR. They were our introduction to the people in New York, uh, the cities, uh, you know, upper uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, all that area was virgin territory for NASCAR. And so they opened all that up and done a heck of a job because they advertised the thing uh, they put on good uh, shows there. Uh, you know, again, they treated the people like they wanted to be treated. 
So uh, I guess that's that's their best deal that, you know, whatever was going to be good for everybody out there was going to be good for them. I feel like that whole segment really kind of captures the, the bond between the Petties and the Mattioli family to perfection. Um, I mean, he, he said it there perfectly. The Petty Enterprises was a family-run business, and so was Pocono Raceway, and still is today. Um, and you see those parallels kind of uh, even even now in 2021. So, uh, again, it's just cool to hear it out of his mouth and, and to, to have that perspective straight from him. And we also, we talked to, to um, well, you and I did, uh, Michelle Mattioli-Kulik, which is one of Doc's kids and our vice president of archives, who's heavily involved in the decision-making processes here at Pocono Raceway to this day. Um, and she said, she talked about what Doc and Doc Rose wanted this place to be. This was supposed to be a home away from home. Um, you know, these events back in the 70s weren't just show up, qualify, practice, and go home. It was a week-long affair for stock cars, two weeks long for Indy cars. And they would serve what, right, Zach, they told us they'd served coffee in the garage areas and they had the driver's wives lounge and they had these uh, huge soirees and parties. And it was insane to hear that that's what happened. And also the crazy part about it that maybe you can speak to more to Zach is the difference between the Indy car and the NASCAR bond in the early days. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. This was a very, uh, Pocono was very heavily uh, involved with the IndyCar side and, and uh, the, some of the race fans. And I think it took a while for NASCAR to really find its niche up, up here, even with uh, becoming a, a family um, thing, I guess, with the, for the Mattiolis, because, you know, every, uh, every IndyCar race, the, the family would come up in. Uh, you know, brand new clothes, NASCAR, eh, you didn't need to go out and buy something new for it. You know, <laughs> uh, things, things changed over, over time. And that bond obviously between the Mattioli and France family uh, really strengthened as, as time went on. Now you said it and, and, and it's going to be fun to kind of talk about that, that shift too. Uh, I think in the early eighties or so, once the second NASCAR race come up here and, and we really start going into the, the future. So before we get off this topic, um, we'll, we'll go around real quick. Um, coolest takeaway from, you know, what you heard from the Petty interview. Zach, we'll start with you first. What was the coolest part about talking to Richard Petty? I think the most interesting part was uh, his first impressions on the racetrack, driving around this giant, what felt like a giant field. Um, you know, you look at that part of the Poconos, and there's not a whole lot around the racetrack. Uh, right there on 115 and uh so you think about how how much less developed it was 50 years ago to hear to kind of try to visualize that i think is fascinating um and you know not many people are uh here to tell us about what that for what those first laps around the tricky triangle really were like teal i think the coolest thing for me was just when he was talking about uh coming here for the USAC race and kind of being an outsider and, and Doc making those comments and, like, you know, really had Petty's back there in the early days when, you know, they probably just met each other a year before, you know, just just recently. So it was cool to see that bond, just connection right off the bat between the two families. JJ. 
hearing the whole thing. <laughs> no, but for real, um, you know, Zach and Kevin, you both nailed it. Like the 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 outside of Richard saying STP, um, the, the other the two things that really stuck were driving in a field because it was a field. It's what it was—a spinach farm, right? It was a yep. field. Still and, is. And, yeah, exactly. And then and then the bond and and how how Doc had his back. It is technically a spinach farm. There's a oh. spinach farm down the street. Speaking of spinach farms, make sure you check out right across the street, Pocono Organics. I just had some peanut butter peanut butter covered pretzels. We all just had lunch from there. It is delicious. Check yes. it out. But back to what you were saying, JJ. Oh, I'm just saying, like what you, what what he said about the field and what Kevin said about how Doc just had his back. You know, I unfortunately didn't have the um didn't get to meet Doc, but um I fully believe that that's exactly how he re- reacted in that situation. I the, the coolest part about it was his memory, and, and Zach alluded to that before we even started the interview, his memory of how he could remember to this day what broke in 72, um, how they knew they wanted to come back in 73, and then and all, all the small little tidbits that that the family had done for Petty, right? Victory Lame is named after him, and I did, an inter- I did a fun thing with Petty a couple of years ago. We did a morning hit. And there's Richard out there. He was going to be the grand marshal of our race. I think it was a goal bowling race. Goal bowling was on his car. And all of a sudden, he's sitting there in victory lane. He looks up. He's like, oh, who knew this place was named after me? He had no idea that the family had done that small piece. He remembers all this other stuff, but the family didn't make a big deal out of it. They just put his name up there to say, hey, you meant a lot to us. This was for you, but we don't need a big, huge party over it. Um, and that was cool to, for me to understand. Um, so, that was Richard Petty. That is episode one of our podcast. To give a quick little history lesson, we're going to try to do this at the end of each episode. Um, so here's what happened from 1971 to the first NASCAR race in 1973 or four here at Pocono Raceway. In 71, of course, we had the Schaefer 500. That was a $5 million deal with Schaefer Beer um, for a five-year deal to be the presenting partners of the IndyCar race. It was also a five-year deal with USAC to have stock car and IndyCar Names like Foyt, McCluskey, um, the list goes on and on and on. Check out historical records or our website, PokerRacer.com slash what, Kevin? 50. There we go. Uh, the numbers. S- not, you don't even have to spell it out. Just five zero. Five zero. <laughs> to see some of this stuff, um, to see who, who participated. In 72, um, we obviously had, as they alluded to, Hurricane Agnes hit. We had the first ever 500-mile doubleheader for USAC and motorsports in general. Uh, we had an IndyCar race followed by a stock car race. Um, I believe a bunch of drivers actually competed in both. Um, I heard that 70,000 people showed up to that IndyCar race in, in, in 72. Um, race was won by uh, Al Unser. He was declared the winner, uh, but he was later penalized. So Joe Leonard actually won that race. And Richard Petty, he didn't say it, but Richard Petty actually technically didn't win this race at first. Um, <laughs> the guy who crossed the finish line first was the guy by the name of A.J. Foyt, but A.J. Foyt was penalized two laps for passing the caution car um, under yellow, and uh, that's how Petty won this race, although he was running up front at the time, um, which was pretty cool. First Seven- place check still cleared. Oh, yeah. Oh, no problem. It, it, it cleared It cleared <laughs> no issue whatsoever. And then we get into 73 here, which was just insanity with – um, the the Pennsylvania State Fair, um, Jackson 5 was here. We're going to have stories about that that Zach's going to tell. Um, Sammy Davis Jr. performed. And then at the end of that race, Richard Petty came up here um, and won that race in 73. Um, so lots of crazy stuff that happened. But 1974, we had our first NASCAR race. The IndyCar race was won by A.J. Foyt. Who won that NASCAR race, boys? 
Who we just talked Richard to, Richard Petty. Petty. Richard Petty. I think, um, JJ, what are people going to need to do for our podcast? Well, first off, you're going to need to make sure you're subscribed so that you hear the rest of this season. You're going to want to like it. You're going to want to rate it. You're going to want to review it. And you're going to want to let us know what you want to hear. Tell us your stories over the last 50 years, and maybe we'll bring you on and talk about it. And they're going to where, Kevin, for that? Uh, PoconoRaceway.com slash 50. Yeah, JJ, JJ said it. Leave your stories there as a form, and, uh, you know, we will get some fans on this podcast, I think, sometimes, too, because that's that's who made the Tricky there's, Triangle what it is. There's a lot out there that have a lot of great stories. That and that website is also going to have the timeline of the fans. We want the fans to tell the story of this place because they are every part of it. Zach's going to tell the stories of this place from his perspective as a fantastic storyteller. Zach, for, thank you again for joining us. We appreciate it. Um, Pleasure to be on with you guys. And then, uh, well, you'll be joining us for the next one, but we're going to kick it and end the show with Richard Petty, right? Why would we not end it with just one final segment, Richard talking about the Pocono Mountains. Everyone enjoy. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you on the next episode. What kind of memories do you have from this area just, you know, around the racetrack? Well, you know, we, we stayed at Sullivan's Trail. That was, you know, there was nothing there. They, they had... Uh, if you wanted a wake up call, they'd give you uh, a clock and give it, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, the guys uh, that run the thing, I think they was out of the city or something, but they, they were good to work with. And back in, everybody didn't have uh, phones and stuff. So they had one phone booth and the guys would all line up to call back home and all that. And you had to draw a number to get on the telephone. So, but anyhow, it was, it, it just fit right in with our Southern living. You know, we was used to that kind of stuff uh, in the South. So uh, it was just, every time I went up there, it was like going home, okay? <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, then Blakesley was right up the road there. They had a big old place up there. We went up there and eat. And then there was, there was other places around that, that really had some good food up there. So uh, we always look forward to, to, like I say, going halfway going home to Pennsylvania. Thank you.